0: Welcome in to the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap. I'm your host, Will. This podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We will cover every topic imaginable from EVs to technician shortages, right to repair, and so much more. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. AutoLeap provides an all-in-one cloud-based shop management software that helps shop owners better understand their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Connor Fessemeyer, owner of Vansity Auto Consultants and service manager at Tirecraft Port Coquitlam. We will discuss Connor's experiences in the auto repair industry, lessons he's learned, and his advice to fellow shop owners for setting customer expectations throughout the service visit. Connor, how are you? I'm terrific. Thanks for having me, well. Yeah, happy to have you and uh, really looking forward to our conversation. Love to start our discussion today focused on your professional journey. What motivated you to join the auto repair industry and how did you initially become involved?
1: So uh, believe it or not, I actually started out doing something completely different. Uh, All throughout high school, I uh, was actually studying culinary arts and wanted to be a a chef, but uh, didn't find a lot of money in that industry. And uh, I was working part-time at uh, U-Haul moving and storage at the time and uh, i was actually just working as a storage like locker cleaner to start with but I quickly moved up to the uh, service rep and as a uh, customer service rep i was doing lots of just basic checks on the trucks for safety and making sure they're both secure the lock mechanisms all work the locks in the back of the trucks were available we had to uh, make sure all the Tire pressures were set, so very rudimentary mechanics stuff, checking oil levels and stuff like that, really basic. But from there, I quickly moved on to being an assistant manager at another U-Haul location, also doing hitch installations. So that was kind of my first step into fabrication and doing a, a bunch of custom work on vehicles. And I got really good at doing like, like wiring specifically. Got really good at 12 volt. And uh, once I started moving that career process, I did uh, follow into further at U-Haul's shop, going to their truck and trailer mechanics, doing wheel and tire mounting, balancing and then also doing some truck cleaning there, quickly moving up to their trailer bay, and then being one of their lead wiring guys for trucks and trailers. From there, I did travel into fabrication, uh, worked at a, a smaller uh, family-owned place that did a bunch of fleet installations for commercial vehicles, all kinds of, whatever they, the customer could dream of, we did. So it was really cool to work in that environment. I did to have worked at a place as well that did custom cars like classics and more modern hot rodding and stuff like that. Really fun experience as well. Got a bunch of knowledge there. And then shortly after that, I did venture into doing uh, service uh, advisor at a, an Acura dealership. And I'm um, a big Honda and Acura guy, myself, a big volunteer at the BC Honda Owners Club up here in Canada. And so I, I naturally fit well in that role, understanding those cars really well. But I found I had a knack for selling because I did have a brief a previous experience in car sales a couple of years prior. So that sales experience combined, there may be one of their top performing guys at the front desk. Uh, making thousands of dollars in spiffs, So I was really good at selling to the customer and that all came from setting really good expectations to that client as they walked through the door. So shortly after I became the assistant service manager at uh, one of those locations, and then tried to further my career being a service manager elsewhere at smaller mom and pop shops. And that's just kind of landed me here at one of the only privately owned uh, tire crafts in uh, around, so.
0: Really appreciate that uh, detail going into your background. It sounds like you really developed a lot of specialized skills early on. How do you think that's translated uh, into the next stage of your career? And how do you kind of apply those lessons forward?
1: So I found that those the skills I developed were really because I, I worked like a, I was a sponge. You put me in an environment uh, filled with a lot of uh, people with really good knowledge. And I just took as much information as I possibly could. Uh, my brain tends to work like a computer, a bunch of ones and zeros. I kind of just take the knowledge and just... Put it through uh, systematically, and then output something that makes the most sense to me. So, using the all the tips and tricks I learned from everybody else in the industry, been there for a long time. I picked up all their uh, all their teachings really quickly, and I applied them. But uh, one of the biggest things was when I first started working in the in the service industry at uh, the front desk in the service department was the at the time service manager was he was actually new to be a service manager position at that time, but he was again a really good service advisor. It was also a really good uh, uh, warranty administrator. So coming from his experience there was having that warranty background. He knew how to talk to a customer and not set the expectation that what their job is gonna be is gonna be warrantable. And that translates into both the aftermarket as well as dealerships. So one of the biggest challenges you face when you're walking in a dealership is someone has a newer car, they really do expect that whatever they got wrong with that vehicle is going to be covered. And that is a big challenge that you have to really set firm expectations that to trust the diagnostic process And explain what they do and explain the outcome that it might not be and explain to them why that might not be to set that expectation up front so they're not going to be surprised later on it's only going to make a customer angry and it's not going to benefit you in any way and it's going to make it even harder to get the sale once you do have to deliver that bad news
0: yeah i think that speaks a lot to transparency uh, dealing with your customers there's going to be stuff that you have to tell them in terms of their vehicle warranty coverage like you mentioned expectations there that they may be surprised about or not like, but you don't want to hide those details, obviously, and you want to be very transparent and upfront with that. What are some of the other challenges that you've noticed early on in terms of working with customers, maybe in their expectations where they're surprised by something or maybe some something that they've expressed dissatisfaction with? What were some of those challenges and how did you work to develop skills to overcome those early in your career. So yeah, one of the big things that comes in is customers coming in, no matter where you are,
1: they're going to expect you to upsell them. When you walk through the door, they have a, have a concern, even if it's a basic oil change, they got a tight grip on their wallet, because they're afraid that you're going to try and get every single cent out of them. And a, a lot of the time, I think most mechanics are honest. And if you notice something upfront that is not good with the vehicle, something that should be replaced, or giving them kind of a heads up on it, even if it's not super urgent immediately, they usually let the customer know that, but the customer doesn't differentiate from that whatsoever. And so you really have to ease them into that instead of solving. solid. solid Expectation up front of what's going on. So, if someone comes in for a basic brake parts replacement, they say, Hey, all my brakes are shot. I just need pads and rotors. But you got to set that expectation up front that, Hey, there might be something up with your calipers. You never know. We won't know until we get in there. I can gladly give you a quote, you know, expecting the best. But there is potentially more to it than what we're seeing here we'll test the brake fluid as well when it comes in we'll see how if it's because brake fluid is hydroscopic and explain the science behind it and then over time it will absorb moisture Say so once we'll test it and see we don't want to be putting new brakes on and then not check your brake fluid and then send you out the door with a subpar feeling brake pedal because we didn't do our due diligence so you set that expectation up front so then when you come back and say yes we did check your brake fluid it is below spec we do recommend replacing it this is how much it's going to cost. You've given them a soft expectation up front, and you can even touch base briefly on how much that should cost for their vehicle. If you want to be extra prepared, that can be a bit of a challenge depending on how busy you are, but it's a really good tool to be able to have that ready for the customer so they know in advance that, hey, there's might be more to this, And they're kind of easing up that grip on their wallet because you're being transparent up front. And the biggest benefit to this here to make you look like an absolute hero is the more detail you go into and what ifs and possibilities of how things could cost more. And then, you know, 80% of the time they don't, right? They're just pretty straightforward. If the customer's taking care of the vehicle, especially if they serviced you a long time, doesn't need to be done because you've taken good care of that car. They're going to be super happy that you've told them, hey, here's the worst case scenario. But it
0: ended up being a lot less. That always makes you look look way better than you possibly could. And how does that influence your conversations with them moving forward? Uh, You know, we talked about the theme of transparency and you obviously earn your trust when you kind of set that expectation early. How does that evolve your future interactions with customers and influence, I assume in a positive manner, how you work together moving forward?
1: Yeah, it's, it's super favorable. You develop a relationship with them because you just become a conversationalist, right? You and you lay these facts out as a very casual conversation. It's not to try and scare them or trying to get them to uh, get every cent out of their wallet. They can tell you're being genuine and just being uh, cautious on how you're engaging that conversation. When it comes to money, people are always a little tight about it, right? So it's supposed to be Calm, talk, you know, talked about them asking a little about their family, build that rapport at the same time. And when they come back, they know you, they know your name, they want to have a good conversation with you, they come in, seeing that you've been honest with them in the past, and that really does pay forward going ahead and you need to worry less and less about how much you're setting expectations, because you've done so well with that customer in the past, you've trained them to kind of expect that going forward.
0: What are some of the specific strategies you deploy to set those customer expectations early on? And how would you lay those out to your team who are working with customers as well? What are the kind of steps and process that go into establishing those strategies?
1: So one of the big things that uh, falls into this is doing a really good inspection with every single car that comes in. I'm a big proponent of this because it leads to more sales, leads to higher upsells. And not only that, but it's a customer service thing. If you come in, you've done you say, hey, when you come and do an oil change, we do a full inspection, we do a battery test, and you list list all the things you check. That adds a ton of value to what you do. So doing that sets up an expectation that, hey, we're going to check a bunch of things. It's not like we're looking for something to just sell you. We're looking over your car. We're concerned about your well-being when you leave here. I want to make sure you're comfortable. You know you can drive out the door confidently. And the same thing is setting up my guys in the back so they fully thoroughly understand what the purpose of that inspection is. And it's not just to you know make their life difficult and try to get 50 minutes of free work out of them, right? It's to try and Find out what other issues are with this car that can make this customer come back was a really big concern. Because if they come back and you miss something, even if you laid the expectation out that you're going to look into that, you want to be very thorough that you don't miss anything, right? So that conversation with them is important to have them deliver the level of ex- excellence that you've displayed to your customer when building that value up front.
0: And do you do specific training in terms of these exercises with customer interactions, working with your team? How, how do they specifically get prepared for certain scenarios, how a customer may react to you providing them with information? How do you go about preparing for that?
1: So a good example is when I actually do training uh, processes with dealerships, as well as other shops when I'm training service advisors uh, through uh, Vancy Auto Consultants. One of the big things I always do is I give them a prime example of uh, an alternator and a battery replacement. We'll say, hey, you're there's a chance your alternator is not working properly, but we won't know because your battery is below spec. When you get your battery replaced properly, do a proper battery and alternator system test. So doing that explains that there is more to it than just swapping out the alternator. So it's just an example of one thing where one thing leads to another. And a lot, there's a lot of things on a car where, hey, one, we're in here, we should be replacing this at the same time. And setting those expectations right up front, right away, just making sure you have all your ducks in a row and all that knowledge ready to go to explain to the customer so you're not having a a bad conversation later on where you're saying, oh, we have to add this, we have to add this. It looks really bad. When you want to have your upsells, you want to have them all ready to go right away. So that's one of the big key points I talked to them about is making sure we explain that process of, when you do this is a reason we take this off the vehicle. When you take this off the vehicle, you might as well replace it. otherwise, you're paying additional labor to replace it down the road for no reason. So having those kind of conversations increase your sales as well as increase your trust with the customer because they're seeing it as a saving in the future versus just thinking, oh, they'll come back later, I'll charge them a full price and get more money out of them in the labor as well. So you're doing them a favor that way.
0: Yeah, and I think from a customer's perspective, when you bring in your vehicle, you, You know, you don't necessarily know a lot of the auto mechanic lingo in terms of what is needed for your vehicle for, so even having those simple explanations and just that back and forth communication up front, I think does build a lot of that trust that we've been discussing today. I wanted to get back to early in your career, learning some of those lessons from, that you took away from dealing with a challenging customer, you know, a conversation maybe not going as you had planned. Do you have any specific examples of those and the the lessons that you took away from those, and then how you applied that to your new strategy?
1: Yeah, so I had some really good teachers up front. So
0: I've, I'm totally transparent about that. I'm not
1: a a whiz that can figure this stuff all out on my own. So I had really good teachers that really set me up for some really good success. And I find that when I've had a lot of conversations with customers. I followed their steps to a T, and I didn't have a lot of negative experiences because if you do follow these kind of processes really well, you're setting really solid expectations. You really do steer the conversation into a more beneficial route. That's where a lot of things, a lot of people like, immediately become abrasive with the customer when they're trying to just uh, argue with them. And I think that the big, best thing to do is think I'm trying to work with you to find a mutual solution here. We want to get your car fixed. You want to fix your car. I think the bottom line is what, ends, what is your concern here? Is it the time? Is it the money, right? Finding that, that that part in the middle that's creating the disconnect where they're getting upset and elevated and remaining calm the whole time when your perspective just makes you look like a problem solver to them and not uh, somebody who wants to try and argue with them and can try to take their money, right? It's all the overlook peel the dealership has. I find it's a little less worse when you're at a private uh, auto shop. They tend to have a little less of a, uh, they're trying to upsell me mentality, but they do tend to think that the deal, like dealership has more, like expensive, but fair pricing, if you think you go one deal to the other, it's pretty similar. I think one of the big differences, I think at auto shops think I can go somewhere else to get that exact same thing cheaper. And most of the time that's true if they get a quote, they can walk out the door and go somewhere else. So having that conversation, being upfront and honest with them and having a, a good back and forth and having some flexibility with them allows you to get that trust and get that sale. But one of the big concerns I've had in the past with abrasive customers probably comes down to warranty and not explaining it right up front. So I've had other people in the customer service department say, oh, it's that. Well, that is warrantied because it's a system. It seems warrantied. And then it goes through the door. Tech comes back out and goes, no, this is because of this example of negligence. So then I have to explain that to the customer. And that's a, a conversation you want to have upfront front before it goes through the door because now you spent their time and they've already had the expectation that entire time this is going to be covered by warranty. They've gone and they've told their significant other, hey, this is covered by warranty. This is great, I'm happy with this car. Instead of thinking, oh, now it's gonna cost me money. That's just a complete switch, complete 180 of what they were expecting and they're completely different experience now. So it's super important to have that explained upfront so you don't have to have that conversation because just talking that down afterwards is a lot harder than having that conversation up front when they're at the point where they're explaining the problem to you And you give them the inkling that that might not be covered by warranty.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've completely lost a customer's trust at that point when you make a mistake to that degree. And they're actually making decisions based on the information that you provided up front and then pivoted away from. Do you have other examples of red flags, maybe working with other shops in terms of training them? Red flags that you've witnessed firsthand in terms of customer interactions and just not being upfront, communicating the wrong way, not setting that service expectation?
1: Yeah. So there's there's two big ones that I found. So one of the big ones is upfront. If you have either an advert or you have a, a menu board item, and it's not quite to spec of what you have. And if let's, it happens often where somebody says, oh, something can start at this price, or you can get up to this much of a discount, a lot of people work for bigger companies that have all these adverts out and the way they actually display these discounts isn't necessarily 100% transparent. So having a thorough thought process on when that customer comes to the door, what is my script on how I can explain how they're getting their value out of that sale or discount or deal they're seeing on the door menu board, website, whatever. So that's one big thing where discommunication cause a big problem. The other one is what I find was one of the benefits I've experienced as a service manager and my success in, in this industry versus a lot of others, a lot of service advisors will walk out and they'll just parrot whatever the technician said. And technicians are really good at what they do, but they're really good at repairing. So they understand it from a, I'm gonna fix it mentality. They don't understand it from a, what is this on an engineering perspective? Because the customer understands it actually closer to that, where it's this is how this works and this is why it's broken, not this is broken, it needs to be fixed. Because a technician, that's usually what they're finding it as. A good technician can't explain why something was broken, but having that conversation with the customer why is that relevant to me to fix cuz a lot of people go i don't even know what that part is so why is that why do i have to do that so on having an engineering perspective where you can understand and explain the function of a part and its everyday use and how they use the vehicle can help them understand why it's important to fix it and i find a lot of people will have customers walk out the door because they simply just don't understand what they're buying because they have not done a good job of explaining what they're selling
0: i wanted to wrap our conversation with just the discussion about some advice that you would give other you know fellow shop leaders people working actively on a customer facing level in the auto repair industry for setting this service expectation in their businesses yeah so i think really start from the main process on either how your customer
1: heard about the business or them walking through the door. That's the first step their first interaction you want to make that consistent the entire time through so when they come in they see the ad or they just drive by and they see you do an oil change and when you come in you want to set the expectation of what we do at oil change what's included build value in what you do and at the same time you want to make sure that everything you promise is delivered throughout the service visit and when you come in set expectations say, hey we're going to check these things and then you come back and say, "Hey, we checked these things. This is the things of that things we found was wrong, and this is what's good." So you want to give them that, you know, red light, yellow light, green light style uh, explanation of this is something you need to do urgently. This is something in your future, and this is stuff that is good. The car you've done a good job, you know, and it's good to go over those things. I talk this from like a team building perspective, which is your employees as well as works with the customers. If you can tell someone, "Hey, you're doing something right," that's good for them to hear because. Mechanic comes back and says, Hey, you're doing everything wrong with this car. Look at all these things that are bad. They just talk about the bad. It's not going to feel like a pleasant experience. You want to say, hey, you're doing really good. I see you've changed this recently. So you're keeping your maintenance up on your vehicle to keep in with the spirit of that. I did notice this is also falling up you know, soon. You've probably in a couple months be considering replacing this. So having that conversation where it leads into the good stuff, the soft stuff, and then but today, I do think we need to move forward with these items. So now you've really shortened your list, usually, because most of the time, the, the red items are a lot smaller than how many green and yellow items are on a car. A lot of cars nowadays can keep going forever with, uh, without even doing all the changes. It's it's sad, but a lot of people just drive into vehicles doing a lack of maintenance, and it'll still be going okay. Like, I'm going to come from a big background Honda and Acura, and these cars will drive forever, no matter how hard you beat them into the ground. So it's pretty impressive. But that's one of the main things to do is just talk about that, how how is it you're doing right and this is how we're going to correct the things you're doing wrong but you always want to frame it as we're moving in a positive direction and you know you've you've done good so far and just be touching on that again you really want to really emphasize that it's not a bad experience coming in here and you want to highlight the good they've done and then following up with that once you've completed the service reiterate it hey once again the things we checked i mentioned earlier so are great we check over all those parts we replace, tested, they're all verified, they're all working now. You should be good for a while. If you have any questions or concerns, let me know. And again, that's a big thing to be, is if you do mention that as they're walking out the door, let them know they can contact you at the service visit and set that expectation up front as additional transparency. Most of the time people don't call me, but I give them the opportunity to call me. And I always call them if there's anything that changes, immediately I give them that update and they have that extra person. They feel like I'm on their team, communicating with them the whole time, rather than just being the person that's there to hear their problems, tell
0: them how to fix it and take their money. That's a great place to close our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Connor. And we'll be back soon with the next episode of the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap.